Hello, everyone. This is Gerald Salenti. And of course, we're honored again today on this April 27th to have with us Judge Andrew Napolitano. And as I keep saying, nobody says what Judge Andrew Napolitano says with the authority and the judicial background in showing us what has happened to America, where it was, where it is, and where it's going regarding our constitutional rights that have been stolen from us, a thing called the Declaration of Independence, and they ripped up the Bill of Rights. And uh, the judge just put out an article, it'll be out tomorrow, and it's about the problems with Disney and Florida. Thanks for being with us, Judge. Well, it's a pleasure, Gerald. All my best uh, to you, my friend. You know, I'll never forget the first time I went to Disney World. You know, I was a kid. I grew up. I used to go to Palisades Amusement Park. Right. <laughs> we, we did, too. That was the place. If you lived in the New York City metropolitan area, North Jersey, Southern Connecticut, the Bronx, Manhattan, that's where the kids wanted to go. We all went there. They right. had a saltwater pool. They had a yep. pool filled with ocean water. <laughs> you know, my father may rest in peace. I remember, you know, my father was born in like 19, 1909. And he used to go to Palisades Amusement Park, you know, when he was a young guy. And when the first time I went to Disney World after going to Palisades, I said, this place is terrible. I, you know, it's nothing like Palisades, you know. Oh, it's great. And anyway, you know, and then we have this Disney issue uh, going on now in, um, in Florida. And the core problem with Disney in Florida is the American addiction to corporatism, you write. This is the use of government power for the benefit of the government patrons. Stated differently, it is a symbolic relationship between the government and a private business that gives government officials corporate largeness and the private business a near monopoly. It is capturing the power of the state to increase private wealth at the expense of others. You nailed it perfectly. Thank you. One of the reasons uh, you were so impressed as a kid with Disney is Disney didn't have to pay any taxes. Now, I'm not in favor of taxes. To me, taxation is theft. I think you agree. But for the government to take one competitor and relieve that competitor of the regulatory and tax burdens that it imposes on the other, other competitors is a violation of equal protection. So when Walt Disney found 25,000 acres of swampland outside of uh, Orlando, Florida, he went to the state and said, I'm going to turn this into a theme park. I'm going to I'm going to improve this. I'm going to create thousands of jobs and bring in millions of tourists. But I don't want to pay your taxes and I don't want to deal with your local regulations. The state said, fine. That, of course, gave him a near monopoly. That is a violation of the laws of economics because it stifles competition. It's immoral because Disney bribed the politicians started getting and put cash in their pockets, but he agreed to bow down to them in public and to help uh, fund their uh, campaigns. And it's unconstitutional because the 14th Amendment requires the states to treat all persons and all entities that are similarly situated in a similar way. This all comes to a head now because Ron DeSantis, the dictator of Florida, 
decided that because Disney officials criticized him, it happens to be an area I agree with him on, but they criticized him publicly, he's going to take away their special privileges. They should never have had the special privileges in the first place, and the government can't punish people for exercising the freedom of speech. That's what this article is about. It's an interesting juxtaposition of constitutional violations, the state creating uh, a favored status for one competitor, the state getting angry at that competitor and punishing it because its employees criticize the state. You know, and again, you know, it's, it's not only, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. You know, if anybody is building something, they give them tax breaks. You know, oh, oh, they're going to create jobs. They're getting tax breaks. And, you know, what, what are you talking about? Well, I, as you wrote here, they're not getting tax breaks. The taxpayers have to pay for what they're not paying. Correct. The tax burden is shifted to others. The state doesn't spend less money because it gave Disney or, or XYZ Corporation, whether it's Boeing or Raytheon at the federal level, the government doesn't spend less money. It just shifts the tax burden to other taxpayers. And that itself is a violation of equal protection because while Disney's paying fewer taxes, comparable entities, Bush Gardens, for example, which can't hold a candle to Disney, but does compete with it, is paying more taxes. That's the violation. And all of this is done by politicians so that they can line government coffers and get government largesse and look like and boast to the people that we've uh, created jobs. You know, in New Jersey, it's such a crazy place. <clears throat> it works the other way around. You want to build a house on a street in New Jersey, the local planning board will say, fine, repave the street for us. Repave the street. That's going to cost more money than the builder will receive from, from building the house. But that's the way it works here. You want the permit to build the house, repave the street. It's just reprehensible that government is out of control and mocks the Constitution it is sworn to uphold. Uh, last week, the leader of the Republicans in the state Senate, I don't know the fellow and I have nothing against him personally, said, oh, by the way, we found a clause in the Florida Constitution that prohibits special privileges districts. You found a clause? They've had these special <laughs> privileges for 60 years. You know, but again, we shouldn't this, laugh at do, it. The government is laughable. It's also but they, dangerous. But Danger. I said they do the, They do this everywhere. Yes. And he, they're putting up. They want to build a hotel over here. Oh, they're going to give them tax breaks and grants because they're going to create jobs. You know, so the bigs get bigger. They don't give me a tax break for what I do. Right. And that's not. And again, you, you said this is against the Constitution, and nobody says that. And that's why I say that nobody says what you say. With the with the authority and the judicial background, they you know there was a guy, a, uh, his name was Mussolini, uh, <laughs> the merger of state and corporate powers. Yes, fascism. Yes, that's a quote. Yes, yes. and that's what it's become. And so, you said, and you say they give them campaign contributions. They're not campaign contributions. They're bribes and payoffs. Yes. It is, it, is a, it is a form of bribery. And the, the little Mussolini that is the chief executive officer of the Florida government, Ron DeSantis, got upset when his patron Disney dared 
to criticize him publicly. So he got legislation passed to rescind the special privileges district. They'll probably settle this in some way. Disney employs 80,000 uh, people. Uh, and and the, the law in Florida requires if you're going to rescind a deal like this, you need the majority approval of the people that live in the district. You know how many people live in this district? It's 25,000 acres, 50. Guess who they all work for? Disney. <laughs> Good luck, Governor DeSantis, getting those 50 people to agree. Yeah, and again, you know, you, you're talking about the, the, the whole, it's a, a much bigger issue because corporatism has taken over the, the country and the world. Yes, yes, yes. You know, so it, last, last week, um, um, someone recorded statements made by the CEO of Raytheon. Now, Raytheon is the biggest uh, producer of military hardware uh, in the United States. And it has a, a corporatism relationship uh, with the Pentagon. You buy our hardware, as soon as you retire, General, you come and work for us at 10 or 20 times what you were making in the military. That's, that's the way it works, and that's the way it has worked since President Eisenhower, two days before he left office, warned us about the dangers of the military-industrial complex. Any, anyway, the CEO of Raytheon revealed this. The military hardware that the U.S. is giving to uh, Ukraine is from surplus stockpiles, NATO and ours. It is not new. It's not the best. It's not being made and shipped over there. It's already over there. It's in stockpiles. And much of it, and at this point he laughs, much of it is destroyed by the Russians before the Americans can even physically put it into the hands of the Ukrainians. And then he says, we're looking forward to the stockpile depleting. Why? Then the government will come to him for more. So is the purpose of what he's doing to, to, to charge the American taxpayer to build a billion-dollar piece of equipment so it can be destroyed and replaced with another billion-dollar piece of equipment? What the hell kind of a way is that to run the government? Again, you mentioned it's it's not a revolving door, by the way. It's one door, and they're in total control of it. Oh, the guy that's playing the head of the, uh, at the what, the Defense Department, Lord o Lloyd Austin? Yeah. Oh, you mean that guy that, that used to be on the board of directors of uh, Raytheon? Yes, the oh, same Raytheon. The yeah. same Raytheon, correct. Yeah. And how about the clown, the arrogant clown that used to be the head of the FDA under Trump? Uh, Gottlieb. Oh, where did he go? Oh, he's on the board of director of Pfizer. This government is, it, it's a crime syndicate. It's not a government. Again, look at, go back to last year, not ancient history, 2021, merger and acquisition activity at an all-time high. All the cheap money goes to the bigs and they buy up everybody. So I want to ask you, Judge, what do you think about the Robinson-Patman Act, Sherman Antitrust Act, Clayton Antitrust Act, and the Glass-Steagall Act. Well, listen, I'm with Ann Rand when it comes to uh, regulating the economy. I don't believe uh, in, in regulations. I believe the free market is the best opportunity for consumers and workers and, uh, and investors to operate uh, in a state of equilibrium. But I do recognize that extraordinary power 
And then the problem with extraordinary power is the government. It's not the private uh, private sector. When the government puts its thumb on the scale to en enable all of this extraordinary power to be in one place at one time controlled uh, by one uh, entity, prices go up, choices go down, and services stay flat. You said prices go up, services go down. And choices stay flat. We, we don't have more choices because there are a few commercial actors in, in a given uh, market. So it's like it's like it's like Disney. It effectively has no competition. No. Yeah, there are other smaller theme parks, but because it has no competition, it can say to its customers, here's the price, take it or leave it. They can't compete with us. Here are the products we're selling. Take them or leave them. Nobody has products like we do. Here are the services we have. Take them or leave them. If they had competition, they wouldn't be able to do that. Prices would come down quality of goods and services would go up and there'd be more choices for consumers. That's the beauty of the free market system. Free meaning free from government interference. But again, going back to the, when they did have the Robinson-Patman Act, Robinson, Patman, Sherman Antitrust, Clayton Antitrust, there used to be small businesses. I mean, I remember reading about, you know, how they prohibited Sears Roebuck from you know, expanding too big, even though they kept doing it, or A&P, you know, so that they, they wouldn't take over. Like now we have the Walmarts of the world that have taken over. The, 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 you remember, we're both uh, young enough to remember when there were <laughs> hardware stores, stationery stores, grocery yeah. stores, and drug stores, and now there were drug chains, grocery chains, stationery chains, and hardware chains. The yes. stores are gone. And, and with the exception of the lovely little town that you live in and some other lovely little towns in upstate New York, small town America has been decimated yep. by the big box stores. The, the small town America has become what the supposedly selling antiques. They're really selling junk. So what do you think, though, about putting these acts back into place? Well, if they were uh, enforced, uh, fair, you know, I, I, I don't trust the government to have anything to do with the free market. That's, that's my problem with these, with these laws. Yes, it was a better world when we had small town America. On the other hand, you can go to Walmart, get anything you want at the lowest price uh, yeah. possible. It, to me, it's not a pleasant experience to go there, but I know if I want a toaster, there'll be 10 different toasters from which to choose, all of them at rock bottom uh, prices. I can take the toaster I want and be home in 10 minutes. Yeah. Again, go back to when we were kids again. You know, there were local, before, before they did away with the Glass-Steagall Act, there were local banks everywhere, well, the different yeah. banks that we had. And now yes. what do you got? You got five or six banks that control 90% of, 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 the, of the country? Oh, and Correct. let's go back to your article. Corporatism? Hey, I'm Jamie Dimon. I'm Goldman Sachs. I'm too big to fail. You are just a piece of crap. You can fail, but hey, not me. And what do they do? They billions and trillions of dollars, $29 trillion, $29 trillion, the Federal Reserve pumped into the banking system from 2007 to 2010. So when Jamie Dimon says, I'm too big to fail, what he really means is the government won't let me fail. 
it will create money out of thin air so that I don't fail, or it will take money from you, dear taxpayer, so that I don't fail, because the government needs me as much as I need the government. That's really what he means. He's not going to say it that, uh, that way. So again, but we're looking at privilege to the rich as the yes. workers of slave land. Is, again, we just put out the Trends Journal, you know, that we just went out yesterday. We had a thing on how, how much richer the CEOs got, and then we compared it to the wages of the average person that have gone down because of inflation. Like the average CEO of the top companies is making over $30 million a year. Right. There's some number like that, some ridiculously high number. You know, it's going back to like what you talk about the Constitution and the, and the, and the amendments to the Constitution. Having a Glass-Steagall Act, you know, it's saying, yes, we're preventing these bankers from taking over. I mean, how? Yeah, the Glass-Steagall Act. When they had it there, the bankers were not allowed to go gambling and be bankers at the same time. Correct. Correct. I so mean, now to, they, they, to that, to that extent, pre preventing the banks from gambling with other people's money. Well, it's not the bank's money. No. With other people's money. That's what, that's what kept a lid on the explosion uh, that resulted in really five banks controlling, as you say, 90% of the economic activity in the country. And again, the other, problem with, the other problem with the banks, of course, is the profoundly, profoundly unconstitutional, utterly immoral Federal Reserve on which the Supreme Court has never in 110 years, never ruled on its constitutionality. Never. Never. No. And they're in control. Thomas Jefferson, who wrote our rights, come from God. And James Madison, who wrote that individuals are sovereign would not recognize government in America today, you wrote. It, it is force without reason. It is power without restraint. And it views our natural rights as privileges that it can deny us. And then you say, why do we permit this? Why do we permit it? Every time you turn around, the government gets bigger and fatter and does more uh, favors for its benefactors, whether it's a relatively benign benefactor like Disney, or whether it's a very dangerous benefactor like uh, Raytheon. Um, this corporatism has been in the bloodstream of the American government since 1783, <laughs> since Alexander, Alexander Hamilton first came up with the idea of a fascistic relationship between uh, government uh, and industry, perfected by uh, Benito Mussolini, imitated by FDR, and I'm sorry to say, now commonplace in America. Didn't somebody shoot Hamilton? Yes, Aaron Burr, right here in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> it, was it was legal in those days. The, uh, the duels were legal. Yeah. Uh, although somebody indicted Burr, he fled, and then the indictment was dismissed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was the vice president of the United States. I mean, could you imagine this? I mean, this would be like Kamala Harris shooting Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> That'd be a great TV show. Yes, it would. <laughs> you know, again, Hamilton had it coming to him, I guess. I you know, so. I want to go back, and you talked about Florida. 
And you said last week after much public dispute between Disney personnel and Florida officials over a new Florida statute prohibiting government school teachers from teaching about sexual orientation and gender identity to five, six, and seven-year-olds. I mean, it is just repellent that the left-wing creeps into whose hands the states have reposed these government schools. I call them government schools. You do as well, not public schools. Public is too benign a name. Government schools. These left-wing creeps want to use an authority figure like a school teacher to talk to a five-year-old <laughs> and say you can be any gender you want or no gender at all. I, I mean, if this, this isn't child abuse, tell me what is. Yeah. It, 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 again, what do you call it? You don't call them public schools. You call them? Government schools. Government schools. I hated every day of school. So time to take a nap. I'm taking a nap every day. You know, it wasn't my time to take a nap. And, oh, no, you have to take a nap now. We're telling you when to take a nap. Yeah, by the way, I ran away the second day. As soon as she turned around, I laid down on the floor and she turned around. Foof, I was out the door. I ran across the Boston Post Road at four and a half years old to escape kindergarten. Wow. They took me out because they know that I'd be dead because I was they, they couldn't control me as a kid. Now they had me all injected. But you call it the government. What are they? Government. Government schools. They're, Government they're, schools. So they they have guaranteed customers, students, guaranteed income, taxpayers, no competition. That's a recipe for failure. It's also an opportunity for indoctrination. You yep. will take a nap. War is good. Government is here to help you. Lincoln was a great president. And today... You can be a boy or a girl, or you can be neither. This is the type of indoctrination that that is put into the heads of these kids. As critical as I've been of Governor DeSantis, it was necessary for him to enact legislation to prevent the schools from indoctrinating the kids, not on war and government and Lincoln, but on gender and sex. Could you, could you, at age five, even the nuns? who were rough on both of us when we were kids, would not talk about sex and gender at age five, six, and seven. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. You know, Judge, you, you, you're so needed in this, in this world today. You know, from the things you say and the knowledge that you have and the way you really present it. You know, I'm, I'm trying to write notes here about what you said about, you know, government schools, the indoctrination. And again, to me, the school system, what was it? It was only designed, what, in the early 1900s, I think, out of Louisiana for, to, for the poor kids. Louisiana and San Francisco and the godfather of the progressive school system was a Princeton professor of constitutional law who eventually became the president of Princeton and the governor of New Jersey and the second worst president of the United States, Woodrow Wilson. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. Murderer, bankster, bandit, Wilson. Yeah. Now I'm a Yankee doodle dandy. Yankee doodle do or die. Yep. For World War Federal Reserve, Federal Reserve, Federal Income Tax, yeah. popular election of, uh, of senators, administrative state, government by experts. We know what's better for you than you know for yourself. Thomas Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. You know... China, you know, they, they're locking down again and all doing all this, you know, and 
And we've become the Chinese way. And as I opened the Trends Journal with that, you know, that we have these little dictators, as you call them, telling us what to do. Our freedom has been gone. It's lost. Yeah. I came across a uh, phrase last night by the late, great, irreverent comedian George Carlin. He said, it's not a bill of rights. It's a bill of temporary privileges that the government decides to dole out and take back at its whim. Sad to say, Carlin was right. Yeah. Carlin was right. I know his brother, Patrick, by the way. He uh, <laughs> lives right up here in, uh, in Woodstock. Thank you if so much, one, If What's he has 1% of the brother's uh, uh, sense of humor and irreverence, I'm dying to meet him. <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy. Kind man. Yeah. Thank you, Judge, for being on. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for all that you do to bring freedom, peace, and justice to America. Because you are a judge of freedom, a man of peace, and a defender of justice. Thank you. Thank you, Gerald. All the best.